0: Hey, what's up guys? Welcome to episode number 24 of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Brown. Today I have my buddy, trainer, nutrition coach, uh, surfer adventurer, entrepreneur Nick Holt on the line. Uh, Nick, after six years in the corporate finance world, followed his passion for surfing and fitness, moved to Costa Rica and created Nick Holt Fitness. Surfing transformed his body from a debilitating back injury and got him in the best shape of his life well into his 30s. He runs Nicole Fitness, a fitness and personal training business, and saltwaterfit.com, an online fitness and lifestyle brand, and uses the principles of surfing, yoga, strength training to get people fit. We have a great conversation today about following your dreams, the idea of Working from the beach may not necessarily be all it's cracked up to be, but the process of getting uncomfortable is where the magic happens, which I tell so many people. And so if you've been uncomfortable in your life, if you're uncomfortable in your job, and you feel like you need to make a change, but you don't know what to do, then I think this interview is going to resonate with you. And as always... If you find something in this interview that is an aha, that you like, that you think someone you love will resonate with, then please share it with them. Subscribe and leave us a positive review so that we can help make smart nutrition simple for more people around the world. Ultimately, that's, that's what we're trying to do. Just help as many people as possible in the most simplistic uh, way possible. Without further ado, I'm going to take you back to the podcast with Nick Holt and I uh, hope you enjoy. Nick, what's going on, my brother? How you doing? I'm doing
1: great. I'm doing great, Ben. Yeah, great to be here.
0: So, Nick, you are a you have a training business in Costa Rica, which seems like it would be a dream for so many people. What what does that look like for you? How, how did that come to be?
1: Yeah. Um yeah, so I train people on the beach, the water's 80 degrees, uh, you know, it's sunny, right now it's dumping rain, but it's normally sunny 300 days a week, uh, a year. Um, so, you know, people call it paradise, um, and it's great, but it's still, like, it's still a business, right? Mm-hmm. And so, it, there, there are some challenges that, that come along with it. Um, do you want me to give you the, the whole sort of backdrop, of the story?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd love to hear, because you came from a corporate world, and I'd yep. love to hear... Again, it because it does. It does seem like a dream for so many people like, ah, oh, and and especially so many trainers, right? Because they're like, sure. "Oh, how great would it be to as cliché it is, like work from the beach." But yeah. you did it. And I I'd, I'd love to know how you did it and and what the impetus for that was and how you went from the 9 to 5 and were like, "Just checked out." You're like, "You know what? I'm going to leave friends and family and and I'm going to I'm going to go follow my dream."
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I'd probably have to start back, you know, when I was a kid, I, I was always just an athlete as a kid. I got recruited to play college basketball and then got this gnarly back injury, um, my senior year of high school football. And that kind of ruined my, my hoop dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, still was able to play competitively in college. And when, when I graduated, I got into the financial world and just started, you know, making money, accumulating, you know, kind of doing the things that we're told we should do. Right. Um, and I got to a point where that, that I was just sitting at a desk 10, 12 hours a week, uh, a day. And the athlete inside of me was just like dying the slow death. I was slower than I'd ever been. I was, you know, I probably put on 20 or 30 pounds. How many, how many,
0: how many years had it been? Like how many years had you been kind of in the corporate finance world?
1: Yes. So, uh, probably about, it was about seven years total, but after about four, you know, four to five years was when I started really noticing different changes in my body. Right. Uh, so now we're talking mid, mid twenties, 25, 27, and I'm like, you know, 30 pounds overweight. Um, am you know, I wake up in pain. I was drinking a lot on the weekends, kind of living for the weekends, making decent money, but just, just not really living a healthy, satisfied, fulfilled life. And, um, that was sort of the impetus that got me into personal training. So I got a cert on the side as I was doing the corporate finance gig, just for my own understanding, right? Just trying to understand. Because I think we both grew up like, all right, let's get big and strong. That's, you know, let's, let's do his bicep curls all day. But uh, I didn't really understand what the hell was going on with my body. Because yeah. my doctor actually, funny enough, when I hurt my back, my doctor told me, don't squat and don't deadlift. Right? And he's like, don't lift heavy weights. And so, I sort of bought into that f- until I really learned what was up, right? I mean, uh, yes, can if you deadlift with with shitty form, is that going to hurt your back? But is it one of the best exercises that you can do? Right. I mean, you know, probably many of your mm-hmm. listeners, if you deadlift with good form, it's one of the best exercises you can do.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So,
1: um Anyway, it was about five, or six years into that corporate gig where I really started noticing these changes. And just funny enough, 2009, an email came across my desk. I'd just gotten back from a surf trip in Nicaragua, actually. And there was a surf camp, Costa Rica, looking to, you know, grow a team, looking for a financial consultant. And actually, a lot of the skill sets that I was doing at the time kind of linked to what they were looking for. Just so happened, the owner was down in San Diego so, I, I hopped on a plane, met this guy, Joe, who has this unbelievable story. He drove a school bus from San Diego all the way down to Costa Rica in 2000 and started this surf camp. And I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing, right? Yeah. And I uh, totally hit it off with Joe. He's like, come down, check it out. You know, I can't guarantee you anything, but there's some opportunities. And I, a month later, I booked a flight to Costa Rica, checked it out, and just kind of fell in love with the place. Um, Joe offered me an opportunity to help consult the camp, and three months later, I You know, I pulled the trigger, I sold all my stuff, put my notice into my job. I just turned 30 at the time. So it was like kind of what the hell, take the leap. Um, Worst case scenario, I could come back to this. It was kind of like the the mental talk, but uh, just just went for it, really. And and then I had sort of done some of the personal training on the side. And so I got into some of the fitness after I moved to Costa Rica. I actually met my now fiance, Julie. We met there at the camp. And we, she wanted to train with some of our girlfriends. So we started doing beach boot camps um, and then got into personal training and then grew the business from there. Got on TripAdvisor pretty early on. So people would reach out to me um, before they'd come down. So worked with tourists and then built up a, a client base, Nick Holt Fitness. That's the in-person training business. Um, so it's great. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I try and surf every day. I work to train on the beach. But there are downsides, right? I mean, I think to your point earlier with with you know this whole idea of training in paradise um just getting people to show up on time is yeah. you know there's a whole poor vita manana sort of vibe so there's not a sense of of showing up people don't really honor their word right there's that kind of flakiness that goes on when you live in a small kind of beach touristy mm-hmm. town um I mean, I wouldn't trade it for anything, but I think when people come down, they have their rose colored glasses on. Right. Yeah. And they think it's all wonderful. You still got to pay rent. You still got to like, you know, market. And, and it's a, the demographic down here is a little bit more challenging as far as, you know, income, income earners, you know, not people aren't making as much money as obviously in the state. So they're challenges. Um, but I've been able to make it work and, uh, and now with technology, Julie and I have Saltwater Fit, which is our online business. where We do online coaching and consulting, both fitness and nutrition um, coaching, and we work with people all over the world. So um, that sort of enabled us to, to live this lifestyle and still do the in-person training as well.
0: Yeah, well, kudos to you for, you know, being able to do that. And, and of course, it's, you know, it's, it's a job, it's a business, just like anything else, but at least, you know, I have a lot of respect for the fact that you're doing what you want to be doing and you're earning a living the way you want to, and the quality with which you want to do it in the place that you want to do it. And I think that would serve a lot of people. I think a lot of people would be a lot happier if they realized that they have the ability to do that. Um, Don't have to subscribe to that traditional corporate nine to five being, you know, just, I hear from so many people, it's like, you know, we're comfortable with where we are. Like we don't make as much money as we ideally like to make. I don't love my job, but we're comfortable. And I think that's the wrong mindset for people to have is we know that when we get uncomfortable, that's where the magic happens. And that's when we really can start to, to excel in whatever area that, you know, we want to. And so I guess my next question for you is, What what was it about your growing up? Like, where did you grow up, and what instilled that mindset of of allowing you to get uncomfortable with the things that you're doing? Not just making the move, but obviously with starting your own business, you have to you have to embrace. And I understand it, you have to embrace being uncomfortable and putting yourself out there, and and you know, um, just thinking positive all the time. The, what were some of the the stimulants for that?
1: Uh, yeah probably really not yeah ju- just to hammer home that point i think that the tie-in to, like fitness and being uncomfortable is so relevant because mm. right we all know i mean people listen is probably train. it's like you're not going to get stronger or bigger if you're if you're not a little uncomfortable right so it's like it it's when you're comfortable and you're training you're hopping on the treadmill and just kind of cruising that you don't really get the results so yes. i think that's that's like a brilliant me- metaphor there um yeah, for me, I think it was just this. This, I mean, my my dad. I grew up outside of New York City. Um, my dad was an English teacher and then turned into a creative director who so worked in advertising. And he he always he sort of instilled the curiosity in me. I remember when I was young, you know, it's always like ask one good question a day, right? So I mean, I was probably pretty annoying to some of my uh, my teachers, uh, but just just instilled that like curiosity of asking why or just sort of maybe questioning like, okay, all my peers are, are going and going to make money and and, and trying to climb the corporate ladder. Like, does this really make sense? Right. And I think so many of us might have those sort of questions in the back of mind, but we're just so busy and we're so overwhelmed that we don't have the space to really explore those. So I think that was one stimulus when I was younger, just to, to, to always be in that curiosity mindset. Um, and then I think, you know, another thing when I was following some of Tim Ferris's work, the four hour work week, I mean, that's sort of that, that, you know, book about, you know, leaving the corporate world, but, yeah. and there's a lot of stuff in there that, that I didn't really resonate with, but I, I thought it was really powerful. That whole sort of idea of like, what's the worst thing that could happen, right. That like you, you write down, okay. So you know, I fail, I have to go live with my parents or wash dishes or whatever it is like the worst case scenario. And most of the times, like it doesn't necessarily happen. Right. And and so I thought that was powerful. And um, yeah, but I mean, to your point, it's like the uncertainty, I think is where it's so uncomfortable, but it's really where we experience growth. And um, most people that downside or that, What if is so scary that it stops people from taking action. Mm -hmm. Um But I think that you know, if you really just do that exercise and you literally write down what could happen if I fail, it's actually not that bad.
0: It's really you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love love that. I love that one. I love that. And I just did it the other day. And I won't go into the details, but it's just like, all right, shit hit the fan, and it's like, okay take a step back and not freak out like okay what's the worst that can happen with this situation it's right to write it all down all right so maybe we lose a a portion of money you know or um, whatever but you know what are some of the positives that can come out of this and usually the positives are a lot more personal growth you know emotional growth mindset um, more you know connections things like that so I'm glad you brought that up So, okay, cool. So you made that transition, you realized, you know, for yourself, you needed to start to get healthier. How has your vision of health um, changed from the time that, you know, you were an athlete to making the move to Costa Rica to now you're running a coaching business, both in person and online. Sort of what is your... uh, you know, what is your kind of definition of health and fitness as it stands today? And how has it changed over time?
1: Yeah, um, it's changed quite dramatically. And, you know, I think growing up as an athlete, lifting weights, definitely prioritizing the the typical like strength training, um, getting stronger, getting faster, not really looking at the the you know meditation the mindset aspect I think it's also a generational thing too I mean I'm 37 but I think a lot of the research around sort of mental training mindfulness that wasn't really in the conversation 15 20 years ago and so um it was it was a male sort of alpha male you know no pain no gain push through it I remember my you know high school football coach used to just like you know, call us all sorts of derogatory terms, which, you know, totally would be unacceptable these days, but that mentality, right? So I think I, I fell into that just like train hard, push your body. If it doesn't hurt, you're not doing it like hard enough. And um, you know, now I, I don't think my, my approach couldn't be more different. I mean, I do yoga four or five times a week. I still lift heavy, uh, weights occasionally. Um, I still love training heavy, but I'm much more into a more holistic approach around just like lifestyle, right? Having fitness sort of enhance your lifestyle, not looking at fitness as the end goal. I mean, we have something in our business called Active Passion. So for us, it's surfing, right? It's like that lights me up. I don't have to. I wake up. I woke up yesterday at five thirty in the morning to go surfing because. I love surfing and I'm passionate about it, right? I think if 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 we can change the conversation a little bit, until you know, from removing the chore of having to go to the gym, to like, oh shit, I will actually want to go do this exercise. And you're still going to train hard. Don't get me wrong. I still, you know, crush heavy deadlifts so I can surf better or play tennis better. But it's much more of that framework of how can I enhance my life through fitness um, that I take with a lot of the guys I work with because they're not. You know, they're not looking to get super ripped. They just want to feel better, right? They want to play better with their kids. Or they might want to go on that weekend bike ride. Um, Or maybe I have one guy who just discovered, like, climbing at the gym. And he's totally stoked on it. And, you know, we got him leaner, stronger core. Now he's, like, climbing better. He he took his, like, five-year-old daughter to go climbing there. It was awesome. So just changing that framework from, like, fitness and, and, you know, no pain, no gain to, like, how could it enhance – And how can it really bulletproof my life? Because, I mean, that's a lot of the stuff that we do. And you probably know, you know, if you sort of lift heavy weights without stretching, without doing the mobility stuff, you can get into some trouble. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah, I like what you guys talk about, your active passion zone. And I can appreciate, you know, the fact that you want people to do what it is that they actually enjoy doing to improve their overall health and fitness and, and getting out of the mindset of, I have to go train heavy every day, or I have to go do this CrossFit workout, or I have to you know, do the Wad of the day. And it's like this kind of pre-programmed, like if I'm not doing this type of workout, I'm not going to be successful and it's quite, you know, quite the opposite. And I've, I've had a very similar view of, of what health and fitness means in terms of like, Hey, just, just do what you love to do. Um, And as long as it's, you know, movement, right? Right. That's what's most important. So can you talk about how the active passion zone, um, how it ties into your, what you guys call the overflow effect?
1: Yeah, and I, you know, that's just our way of communicating, hey, when you find something that, that you really enjoy doing and you're not doing it, you know, you're doing it out of joy, you, you're doing it out of getting into, you know, like a flow state, right? Where you're just like, you're, you're in the present moment. Um, that just transfers into so much more mental clarity. You have more energy to show up better in your relationships with your partner, your kids. You know, you, you, you can basically... Um, you know, do more things in your life, you literally have more energy. So it's, it's kind of using that to fuel your life versus to sort of, um, you know, drain your life. Because I think to your point, like, I think, and technology is only making that worse, right? We're like, okay, if I didn't get my 10,000 steps, and I didn't, you know, hit that seven minute, whatever mile, um, like the work, or if I didn't post it on Facebook, like the workout doesn't count, right? And it's like so much more about tuning into to, to finding the joy and and playing more, right? I mean, we're so we're like especially in the sand. I think that's why people love coming down here and training because you're in the sand, you're getting vitamin D from the sun, you get in the ocean, and it's like such a a recharging. It's like the saltwater medicine that we call it, right? just like get sort of washed over with this that you just feel like alive and um, and I think that overflows into so many other aspects um, of, of yeah. our clients lives yeah yeah I, I agree completely and
0: you know I know for me um, it's sort of one of those like it's easy to get lost in the day to day and and obviously for so many people it's like oh I don't have time to exercise but if you realize like hey if you can carve out a little bit of time, you're going to be so much more productive in so many areas of your life to the degree that there's days where, you know, I'll be, I'll have been sitting on the computer grinding away all day and I'll be grumpy and, and low energy. And, and my wife's like, you need to go work out. Like you need to go work out. Cause when you get home, you're going to be like in a better mood. I'm going to be a better dad. I'm going to have more energy for my family. Um, I'm going to be in a better mindset and You know, it's, how can we teach people that that's so important? And so I, I like how you guys talk about your, you know, your active passion zone, your over you know, your overflow effect. I think it's very relevant um, for everyone. What, what do you guys hear? So you've been working with clients, both local long distance. What do you hear consistently that are maybe excuses um, or limiting factors for people things that keep people from from going where they want to go with fitness and
1: health yeah uh, i mean the big one is is like the busy i don't have time right and and i think you know i mean you you just brought it up i i think and i fall into that i think we're human beings like i think we fall into that everybody does um that's probably the big, biggest one a lot of the guys that i work with you know, have have a couple kids, have a demanding life, have full social calendars, um, but to your point, what I mean, all I say, hey, like five minute little yoga flow, no weights, move your body. Um, let's just hit that in the morning, and then and you know something, and and if you don't have like I tell people, if you don't have five minutes to prioritize moving your body, like man, your, your priorities are pretty effed up, right? I mean, like, let's be real. Like, five minutes, guys. We're not talking an hour and a half workout. And and I think when you start to have those kind of crucial conversations with people, um, you know, okay, so I have one guy, like, he plays with his kids in the morning before he gets, you know, and he does his little, you know, yoga routine and, and like, he does it with his kids before he thought he thought he had to, like, have his own time at the gym, you know, with the Mm -hmm. space, but it's like you can carve these things out. And, um, and the one thing I say about that is the environment matters so much, right? Like like if you have a foam roller out next, next to your bed, or if you have like a mat where you can, you walk by it every day and you're like, Oh shit. Okay. There's my mat. I'm probably going to be more likely to do my stretches versus if you don't have that environment set up I think that's huge right um but I would the time the time thing is by far the number one the the one other thing that I mentioned is, is probably low back pain so I get a lot of guys sitting former athletes just like you know low back pain and a lot of that comes down to weak you know sleepy glutes which I'm sure you see a lot of that um you know, people's butt muscles are just turned off. Their cores a weak. Their postures, just a little jacked up from sitting in that in that flex position. Um, so, those yeah. are the two big limiting factors. I see. How do you
0: how do you teach your clients? How do you help them instill the mindset necessary to start to incorporate these things consistently? Because you work with a lot of corporate type yeah. clients. So they're a type a personality, um, kind of like all in or all out. I'm assuming it's like, Hey, if I'm not doing, like you said, if I'm not doing an hour and a half workout, why even bother working out? Yeah. If I'm not crushing myself every single day. If I'm not doing the whole 30 diet, then why even bother? You know, if I'm not all in, how do you help people shift their mindset to understand that it's like this this just slow behavioral change that improves them better.
1: It's, it's, you know, it's practice, right? I mean, to me, a mentor like John Berardi, Krista Scott Dixon over, um, at precision nutrition. Um, I, I've looked to them as as sort of like thought leaders in that space around behavioral change and just, you know, I, I think the big thing is, is if you can raise somebody's awareness, um, you know, if I can tell a guy, okay, you're going to do this five minute mobility routine based on what I see in your assessment. So you need to work on, let's say, opening up your hips. If Just, just trust me for, for two weeks, you're going to do this five minutes a day. That's it. And let's see how we feel. And most of the time when people can get dialed into just stopping and thinking about how they feel, right, just tapping into the awareness, they can start to connect the dots. So yeah. I think that that practice-based approach, where you're essentially doing these daily habits uh, over time, can can lead to these these huge changes. And that that's sort of the model that 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 I found works the best. It's just like that slow, you know, five-minute routine, man. Like, come on, and then and then you build off of that, right? Just like brushing your teeth. I think there's a BJ Fogg. I don't know if you know that guy. He's like a Stanford researcher. Mm-hmm. You, you know, he's like. You want to, if you want to learn to like the habit of flossing your teeth, like start with one tooth, right? Like, like do, do something so simple that you can't fail. And then, and then, you know, you're going to start flossing every tooth. But the point is like, start with five minutes, start with something and understand that that something actually matters right In in the grand scheme of things.
0: Yeah. So what, so with your day to day, how much of your training is for like local clientele and how much of it ends up being tourists?
1: Uh, you know, it's really seasonal. So here in, in Costa Rica, we're, uh, so right now, you know, in the fall, October, it's rainy season. as I mentioned, it's it's like dumping rain out right now. Um, come November to April, it's high season. So you get a lot of tourists that come down. So I would say during that time of year, um, I'm training maybe three to five hours a day. um, and then i have a few coaching clients uh scattered throughout the day so yeah. normally it's a, it's about 50-50 this time of year it's more online to in person and then in the high season it's it's a little bit skewed more towards in person uh versus online
0: yeah what sort of changes um do you see with with say tourists coming and exercising that you feel like you wouldn't necessarily like, what sort of mindset do tourists have when they come and train? Um, are they in a different mindset because they're traveling and open to new exercises and, and doing different things versus where you would envision them being, let's say they were coming,
1: you know, living in New York and came to visit but they with doing day to day. Yeah. It's tough because I think, you know, I mean, you know, it's like in order to really, uh, make change or provide like an amazing workout you really have to understand the the client understand the history and progress yeah. over time and so that is a big challenge with tourists as far as training you know people short term I think the vast majority of people um, they 're just you know they, they prioritize fitness in their life and they want to maybe they 're going to be indulging you know they 're going to have be having a few cocktails by the yeah by the, uh, by the pool or they're going to be, you know, eating a little bit looser than normal. So they just want to, they, they want to do something different and want to stay active. Um, that would be the, the big like subgroup that I get. And then there's a bunch of, I'll get crossfitters or people training for an event, someone who's training for a marathon or a 10 K who wants to, you know, make sure that they're staying on track. Um, uh, but most people just love the, you know, getting their feet in the sand and throwing around some kettlebells and TRX stuff and doing, yeah. you know, crawling on the, on the beach. So it's not, they're not so specific about, about the performance or training goals. It's just providing a, a good quality workout and keeping them safe. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's awesome. What do you think it is about the ocean? Cause everyone seems to be drawn to some degree to the ocean and to the beach. And what is it that's so medicinal about the ocean you being a surfer i feel like your perspective would be um much more valuable than you know myself growing up in minnesota like i have limited exposure to, yeah. to the ocean but i know every time i go it's just this therapeutic um entity
1: yeah i mean oh man if i had the answer to that i think i'd be a yeah, if we could bottle that up right yeah we're <laughs> yeah. a rich man but um I mean, I think some people say, you know, some people argue there's the negative ions of, of crashing waves. I don't know. I mean, I've, I've gone down the rabbit hole of that a little bit to try and understand what's going on there. And maybe um, I think generally water in general, right? There's there a couple of great resources, books, if people want to dive into this. Um, one is called Deep, which talks about free diving um talks about just i mean it's amazing the stories of these guys going down i'm not sure if you're familiar with free diving uh, a little bit yeah but these guys go five six seven hundred and women too, six seven hundred feet down on one breath yeah. um they, they like i mean there's different modalities but some of them like they literally hop onto a sled and they just shoot down and they're underwater for four five six seven minutes on one breath and that book deep goes into a lot of the mammalian reflex. Actually, it, when we put our head underwater, I think our heart rate automatically drops like 30%. So, so there's something about being in water and I don't know, it's not specific to the ocean. I think the ocean has added benefits cause there's the novelty of the waves. Um, every, you know, it's always different. I think you can get similar effects in rivers and lakes. Um, I think the biggest the other thing I'd mention is is like the sense of awe that you get, right? When you when you're just like the vastness of this big blue ocean, it just really brings you into the present and it brings you into this sense of like we're really not that significant, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're 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 small little blips on the radar of this this big big thing that is pretty hard for this human brain to comprehend, but it's it's palpable, right? You can feel it. I mean, like you mentioned, um, there's something about it. And every morning when I put my head under that water, it's just, you know, there, there's some medicinal element to it that I wish we could uncover. And maybe we will in the next 10, to 15 years.
0: Yeah, it is it is fascinating. I'm reading a book right now called The Salt Fix. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's by James D. Nicolantonio. Um, I, I think I'm saying that right. And the premise is that we all need more. So the whole the whole salt blood pressure hypothesis is is flat out wrong. The fact that okay. increased salt intake raises our blood pressure and, and elevated blood pressure is correlated to um, you know in increased risk of cardiovascular disease. What he's suggesting is that. Salt really isn't, you know, salt in our diet is really isn't the main issue. It's the sugar and, and refined carbohydrate and everything like that. But the point is that it's our relationship with salt that's so significant, much more significant than what we have ever, you know, have ever uncovered. And it's the relationship that, um, that comes from our evolution of basically from the ocean, uh, mm. f- the first. Uh, you know, amphibians that, you know, essentially suggesting that we, you know, we've evolved from the, from beings from the ocean and to the degree that, you know, our, basically our blood is, uh, well, one, we're so, we're, you know, 98% water, but also the the contents of that, uh, of our blood and our cells is so strongly sodium dependent to the degree that it's really not that different, um, from that of the ocean so it's like this kind of innate oneness which i thought was really interesting and really cool and i think just kind of ties in with your you know where you are and oneness with the ocean and making that around your so many people wanting to make that part of their lifestyle
1: that was yeah super yeah that's cool. great yeah I'll, I'll check that out because i i love that stuff the, the one other resource that that i mentioned uh nichols i think is his name uh Blue Mind is, is the book, and that, that talks about how, like how powerful the ocean is. He gets into some, some research around just being near water, being near ocean, can have those, those profound effects that, that we're talking about. Um, so, yeah. And the deep book, too, that I mentioned on freediving talks a little bit about what you're referring to, as well as sort of our evolutionary past, being comfortable yeah. in, that, in that environment.
0: Yeah. And, and man, I mean, just from like a a de-stressing standpoint is like just getting around water and allowing people to just forget everything that is, is bottled up, you know, that they're constantly, the term, the constant turmoil that we're dealing with is, is giving people the opportunity to just unwind. And we know the value Mm -hmm. of just de-stressing in and of itself for improving health and fitness and longevity and all of those types of things. So, yeah. um, a, a, a few kind of uh, wrap up questions here for you, Nick. Um, I'm curious, what are some failures that have uh, set you up for success?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's, there's tons that I can mention. I'd say a couple that come to mind when I, you know, first moved here, I set up all these like group fitness classes, um and and like nobody would show up (laughs) it was like really demoralizing um and you know it was tough like i but i think the lesson learned was was like getting really clear on on setting expectations i didn't really communicate i just like would put up flyers Mm -hmm. and then you know no one would show up and i'd be like um like work you know start playing this negative self-talk game which is never helpful but i think Uh, yeah, it allowed me to really like get clear with, okay, who am I, who am I trying to help? What, what, what's the messaging around this, you know, whatever it is, but in this particular case, like this group fitness, um, it was just like a general class and I needed to be more specific about, you know, who I was trying to help and why someone would want to come to the class. Um, I'd say that's a big failure that, that, uh, that comes to me. What would
0: advice would you give to someone that is thinking about that's maybe just miserable with their job, with their career, kind of ready for a life change. They know that they need to do something or else they're going to continue to be miserable. What sort of advice would you give someone in that situation?
1: Yeah. um, I think, yeah, I think that like, the exploration of, of really what's, you know, what you enjoy and, and sort of what, I mean, I know the cold cliche is like follow your passion and I don't, I don't necessarily subscribe to that. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I do think that, you know, if you could carve, if someone could carve out, um, even if they are working a nine to five or whatever, an eight to six or an eight to eight, you know, I think there's moments we could just literally carve out a little bit of space for yourself to, to explore what really kind of lights you up, you know? And um, I don't think that people should just jump off and go follow their passion because I think that's really dangerous advice, especially if you, you know, you don't have the financial resources, especially if you, you know, um, you know, are starting out because most businesses do fail. And I think, just exploring some of that stuff on your sort of own time to try and carve that out to really find what's, what you enjoy and, and getting good at a craft, right? I mean, uh, I think it's Cal Newport. I'm not sure if you're familiar with, with his work. It's like so good they can't ignore you. Um, and just like the value of like like being good at something, right? Developing something that, that people need. And, and so um, I would say start to explore that but don't, I mean, again, I can't stress enough how many people come to me and be like, oh, I just want to quit my job. And, and I think, you know, it's tough. I mean, everybody's in such a unique situation as far as their resources go, but I think that can be tough advice. I wouldn't advise that at all.
0: Yeah. But it's totally something where, Hey, look, if you do work in eight to five, nine to five, like you don't have to come home and just Watch Netflix all night, you know. Yeah. Is that's actually a significant amount of time that you could be studying, researching, creating, um, you know, affecting change in other people, and building that to the point where then you're in a more comfortable position to to step away. So, yeah, I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier is just prioritizing like how important is it like if you genuinely genuinely are in a a rough position um then you have to want to and be willing to make their sacrifices and and you know make a change and obviously be smart about it but i think that uh, the idea of having no time is is simply not you know we prioritize however we want to prioritize it's like
1: yeah yeah, and the one thing I'd mention on that, which which I sort of made a mistake, I think, early on, was like was not finding somebody who had sort of done what you want to do, right? I mean, that is the shortcut. And for you know, whether it's ego or pride, you think you can just like grind it out and figure it out on your own. I think I felt sort of fell into that realm as far as, you know, wanting you know, put my head through walls and figure it out. But I think you know, find someone who's kind of doing what you want to be doing is a few steps ahead and, and, and seek that mentorship out or seek that, you know, build that relationship and, and, and try to, you know, shortcut that, that process a little bit. I think that could be really helpful for people.
0: Yeah, that's, that's definitely a big one. Um, last question for you here. What, what is some of the best advice you've ever received?
1: Um, yeah. I mean, going back to my, my, my dad as a kid, you know, be curious, ask like question things, ask, a, ask one good question a day. Right. I mean um, I would say that that's really been a staple in, in sort of my, my mental worldview of just being curious. Yeah.
0: Um, I can appreciate that, man. Nick, where can people find out more about you?
1: Yeah. Thanks. Um, saltwater fit um is probably the best where you know saltwater fit is where we do our online fitness and nutrition coaching and then nick holt fitness is uh you know if anyone's interested in coming down to costa rica uh we do you know beach boot camps and and surfing lessons and all that good stuff so uh that would be the resource there so right on brother i'm definitely
0: going to have to make my way down there have you teach me how to surf and
1: uh yeah it sounds like a plan I'll, I'll hold you to that one
0: all <laughs> right i'll talk to the wife maybe i'll bring the whole yes. crew down and uh, yeah
1: you. absolutely a family affair is uh sounds great all right man
0: hey listen nick i appreciate your time brother uh, i I'm, I'm really happy you know that things are going well with saltwater fit and uh, you're doing what you love to do and and I think it's just a great message for everyone that you know to to resonate with. And so, uh, again, appreciate you and your time. And I'm looking forward to uh, you know talking more down the road.
1: Yeah, sounds good, Ben. Thanks a lot, man. Awesome podcast, loved it. And uh, we'll be in touch. Take Thank care, you. brother. Yeah, see ya.
0: So I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple podcast. If you did, then go ahead and like and subscribe below. And if you're listening on iTunes, then make sure you subscribe to our channel. And if you love the content that we're putting out there, then leave us a five-star review. It's really the best way that you can support us in our mission to get the best quality strength, nutrition, fitness, and supplement information out there so that we can help more people. We appreciate you. Please continue to listen. And again, like, subscribe, and share this with your friends. Thank you so much. We appreciate you and your time. And catch you on the other side.